everyone and welcome into another episode of the Irish NFL Show podcast with me, Alum Cronin, and I am delighted today to be joined by a returning guest, somebody I think we can safely say is a good friend of the show at this point. She covers NFC North for Fox Sports, Cara Vitale. Welcome back to the Irish NFL Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We are. We are friends and I'm really happy to be a good friend of the show. You, you certainly are. And um, I think you you made, a, I think, a, a good choice because our, our circumstances end up being really good to you because you covered, you know, one of the more interesting divisions in, in the league this year, I feel. Yeah, I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card for the 2022 NFL season. You looked at these teams going into the season and you thought, you know, the Packers were going to run the division again and, and the Vikings might be okay now that they got Kevin O'Connell in place and the Bears were in a rebuild and the Lions were in the Lions. And turns out it all culminated in a uh, thrilling Sunday night football game that I was lucky enough to be at up at Lambeau Field this past Sunday against uh, the Packers and the Lions. That was It was so much fun and it was just, it was so indicative of who the Lions are and what this division ended up being this year. Yeah, let's let's maybe talk about the Lions, right? Because the the words you use, thought, like that is exactly what they are. Um, and and let me tell you, as a Broncos fan, that is something that has been missing from my life for <laughs> m- many years now. But like, we've always known, even five thousand miles away on the island of Ireland, Carmen, Detroit was known as the factory of sadness. But, um, you know, they are, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the band um, Madness and House of Fun, but that is what the Lions felt like this year under Dan Campbell. It, it, it was, it was the, let the good times roll. It was that, and it was also just kind of, I mean, Dan Campbell came in, his introductory press conference, press conference he talks about biting off kneecaps, and this is who we're going to be. And then you see that kind of manifest itself even more in the hard knocks season prior to the season prior to the regular season kicking off and they've been exactly who he said they were going to be and he has buy-in from his players just to a degree that I haven't really seen in this league and you of course all these successful teams do they buy into what the coach is doing and all that kind of stuff but rarely do you see a team completely embody the personality of their coach and by kind of happenstance the the personality of the city of Detroit I mean this is a city of very hard known for very hard workers uh they're very blue collar they're very rough and tumble and they like the 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 work hard play hard kind of a city and that's exactly what this team has been I mean I can't say enough about they had nothing to play for going into that Sunday night game they knew they were out of playoff contention the Seahawks had won and there was nothing left this this was the last part of their season and from everything that I was told by the coaches and stuff, uh, pregame, the mentality going in was to F, I don't know if I can say shit, but F shit up. Okay. Oh, it's, okay. it's an Irish podcast. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Um, they all, I mean, obviously they didn't say F either, but I'm not going to go so far as to say the F word, but they said F shit up. They were going to, and like, if they weren't going to the playoffs, they were going to make sure their division rival wasn't going either. And that's what they did. They just completely punched Green Bay in the mouth. And when their season was on the line and I just, I can't say enough about the job that Dan Campbell has done. And I think that if you're a Lions fan, if you're the Lions brass, you are so happy that you have this man leading this team. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
the, in terms of the attitude and like obviously you know the, you can see it like the, the guys had run through a brick wall for Dad Campbell were were they aided a little bit by the fact that and we'll get into him a little bit more in a minute but the opposing QB had kind of gone out of his way over the course of many seasons but particularly in the lead up to the game to antagonize the Lions and also the fact that you know one of the the more famous um in, in internet presenters had also kind of gone out of his way to um aggressively wish them luck if I if I could put it that that way um did that play into the the the, the way in which the Lions performed at all yeah I mean they have the biggest chip on their shoulder that's how they play in general uh i actually was able to witness an exchange happen so when you you, the game ends you have to go down to the tunnel level the field level you get down the elevators those elevators are also locked down for coaches so a lot of times you have to wait while the coaches go down to the field level and get to the locker room and stuff so we were waiting there waiting for our turn to get in the elevator one elevator was full of green bay coaches the other elevator was full of Lions coaches. And one of the Lions coaches yells out, can't be losing to a team like that three times. And somebody in the Green Bay thing goes, oh, yeah, real classy. And the Lions go back. The Lions coaches come back with, well, your quarterback said it. And, like, it was just, I mean, you this stuff ends up in, like, team meetings. And there's not so much the old school bulletin board anymore. I mean, we have bulletin board material as a saying in the NFL. It comes from the fact there used to be bulletin boards in these locker rooms where you would paste up all of the newspaper clippings of all the things that people were saying about you and you used it as motivation. That doesn't so much exist anymore, but the mentality still does. And these guys pay attention. So you you, you try and manufacture motivation in any way you possibly can. Rodgers, I think, has just, and the Green Bay Packers in general, have run this division for so long that I it got to the point where they kind of thought, you know, they're a little bit untouchable. And no one was expecting this kind of run out of the Lions. And and it's easy to antagonize these guys. I mean, Rodgers is the same way with Chicago, though. Um, It's just it's a symptom of the fact that they have. They've been so successful the past few years. And this is kind of where it all came crashing down. And I think the Lions are looking forward to a changing of the garden. And honestly, as someone who covers the division, I think it'd be a lot more fun if you do get more of these shakeups. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and in terms of that bulletin board material, I, I'm sure they're like all of us, like certainly over here, the WhatsApp group, you know, you have your WhatsApp group and suddenly mm-hmm. somebody says something and it, and it gets spread around and then it, and it goes uh, it goes viral within the, the WhatsApp group pretty quickly. So no doubt some of that material played into that. And then what, like, so for the Lions this offseason, Karen, like what way are they going to approach it is, is, Jared Goff cemented as the QB there or what are you thinking they might end up uh, looking to do in the offseason yeah I mean I think going into this season you like you saw Jared Goff as a placeholder quarterback and someone that maybe wasn't necessarily going to win games for you but he probably wasn't going to lose lose him for you either and to that to their credit he definitely hasn't lost games to them he's been one of the best at taking care of the football he has not thrown interceptions this season I think hasn't thrown an interception, an interception in about nine games, something like that, the last nine games of the season. And what you weren't expecting from him is that 
over those last nine games, they were he was number one in passing yards, number one in completion percentage. Like he had all of he was at the top, like near the top of all the major passing statistics over the last part of the season. And truly, this I mean, the Lions got off to a one and six start, but it was never the off the offense's fault. They were averaging 35 points a game to start the game to start the season. And it was the defense that was giving up 35.1. Now the defense tightened up and that had been the difference. The pass rush came on behind Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston, who came up from the practice squad week 12, ended with eight sacks. Him and Aiden Hutchinson combined for 17 and a half sacks or 18 sacks, 18 sacks. Um, Just it's, they're the first rookie duo to do that for a team. Lions rookies in general uh, have the the defense in general. They had the most sacks of any rookie class ever for a team in the NFL. So Jared Goff not only had the benefit of being a vested veteran in this league, kind of knowing what to expect, but he also had a defense then to lean on in these last the last nine games of the season. So I think what you do with him is you keep him and. I don't think that precludes you, though, especially with all of the draft capital that you have, given that Rams trade for Jared Goff. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, I think you can still take a quarterback, but I think you don't need to expect him to start right away. And that it becomes a Alex Smith kind of Patrick Mahomes situation where you can allow a rookie to develop within this system while Jared Goff, you know, handles it for now. And I, I look to a guy like Will Levis. I think Will Levis, he's a big dude. He's like just that quintessential NFL quarterback. And I think he's a Dan Campbell type of guy. You talk about the culture that Dan Campbell's built. I I think that Will Levis kind of fits into that culture pretty well. And maybe you let him sit, though. And, and it's it's weird to have a first-round pick sit. But, I mean, hey, the Packers have been doing it with Jordan Love for the last three years. So this will give him a chance to really, you know, develop and, and do it the right way while you can lean on Jared Goff, because I think he's absolutely earned himself at least one more season. Yeah, it will be, it will be really interesting to see what way they, they do go. And, you know, you you mentioned um, the their opponents and, and what they have done at quarterback. But if if we were to go back to April of 2021, and imagine that um, Aaron Rodgers is maybe Gwyneth Paltrow and it's sliding doors. What, and, and the Broncos and George Payton come knocking. Um, and with the benefit of hindsight, would the Packers have taken that, that deal? Okay, they got the MVP season out of him last year, but ultimately it ends in disappointment against the Niners. Then this season happens. There are still all the questions. There are still the the cap hit. No matter what way it goes this off season, it, maybe let's start with: Would they still make the same decision, knowing what they know now in uh, in April twenty twenty one? You know, I don't think that you you could like if you knew if somehow you had a crystal ball that told you that you know. I think a lot of what happened with Aaron Rodgers too this year. Um, it was not only that he was having to bring younger players up to speed and, and maybe was reluctant to do so, but I don't think we're talking enough about the fact that this man had a fractured thumb in his throwing hand for most of the year. And it, look, he threw more interceptions than he ever has in a season, and he wasn't able to push the ball down the field as we've been able to see him do accurately. 
Um, and I think that it would be foolish to think that that wasn't a symptom of the fact that he had broken his throwing thumb and was dealing with rib injuries. Like he was dealing with like those injuries are all, you know, it's part of the game. But um, even before he injured his thumb though, and, and the reluctance to kind of work with the new receivers, you knew that that was going to be the case. You knew that, you know, at this point you think that, all right, you traded Devontae Adams to the, the Raiders. He's not going to be there anymore. You're going to need to bring up some of the guys that you've gotten in the draft. Um, and knowing that maybe they expected Rodgers to be a little bit more involved in that process. And he wasn't. He wasn't at OTAs. He wasn't doing any of the extra things that you feel like you need to do when getting used to new players. So I don't know how you would make that decision over again. Not to mention you gave him a historic contract extension. And you are you owe him to the point where you owe him $58 million next year. So you're kind of stuck. And a lot of what I think also is pro- was probably a motivator to keep him was I don't know if they think Jordan Love is the guy. Because if you think that you have the next Aaron Rodgers in line, then maybe you let Aaron Rodgers go. And you do make that trade with the, with the Broncos. Um, but yeah, I just, like, knowing what, there's, there was no way for them to know. And I think that they, like, at the time, the information they had then, that was the right decision was to keep Aaron Rodgers. And it just didn't pan out for them for the first time. And we'll see how the organization handles it. We know how they handle Brett Favre. Uh, and we'll see if it's kind of a similar situation with Aaron. I don't know. Yeah, it will It will be fascinating. And because the, obviously, you know, you end up in these situations. And I suppose I look at Philly, right? And, and Philly are, are what almost did the antithesis of everything that the, the Packers have done, right? Whereas mm-hmm. the, the Packers, you know, stick or twist. Well, at every opportunity, um, Philly twisted, right? They, mm-hmm. they move on from Dougie. They move on from Carson Wentz. They give, um, you know, the, the keys to, to Jalen Hurts. They they go out and get um, AJ Brown, and and we now see Howie, like who took so much flack and probably rightly so for the whole Justin Jefferson piece, but Howie loving life, all right, and messing with fans in the stands this year, having a bit of fun about the the Jalen Rieger stuff, and for the the Packers, like because look, this is an incredible story, Cratchit. This is everybody around around the world, you know, I like here in Ireland. The NFL still remains niche, and but anyone like who who I talked to, oh, you're into the NFL. Oh, there's Aaron Rodgers in the pack. People know them. They're they, they're this storied franchise. But like, what? How do they? How do they fix this, Carmen? Do, can can they make Aaron Rodgers fall back in love with Green Bay? I think that he had started to towards the end of the year once you saw the emergence of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs had been battling injury when he was back healthy, when both of those guys were on the field and when the offense was tweaked a little bit to feature the run first. I mean, you have two great backs in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And that kind of, I think that that was, that was my expectation coming out of the gate prior to the season was that they were going to lean on the run game, let these rookies develop as far as the receivers go. And like, bring them in kind of gradually but lean on the run game first and it just it didn't work out that way and it looked like they were trying to operate as business as usual and I'm like that's that and then and the fault for that kind of falls 
on multiple levels. It doesn't just fall on Aaron Rodgers. It falls on the play calling from Matt LaFleur and his OC and his quarterback's coach to you have to be able to adjust. And then the defense just severely underperformed. I think that you ha- thought you had a lot of insulation when it came to that because especially like I'll use the example of Tom Brady when he went to Tampa Bay. He knew coming into that he there was going to be a learning curve because this was a new team for the first time in 20 years. He was going to have to get used to new guys, a new system, all that kind of stuff. But he had a defense in Tampa that he was going to be able to lean on. I think that that's what the Packers thought they had coming into this year. And for all intents and purposes, they should have. But the defense just so severely underperformed that it wasn't able to carry the offense in the beginning of the season. So I think that they figured stuff out down the stretch. I think that the emergence of the young receivers really helped. I mean, Aaron Rodgers said himself that Christian Watson was a guy worth coming back for. And if he truly believes that, I think that those decisions have been validated. And maybe if you get him another, I think the Packers still need a couple of pieces. They need to reinforce that line. But I think it's a constant push and pull with what Aaron thinks is best for the franchise, what Matt LaFleur thinks is best for the franchise, what Brian Gutenkunst thinks is best for the franchise. I think that there's a fracture there and they're not all on the same page. So Aaron Rodgers, as an example, is going to want to keep David Bakhtiari because that's his boy. That's his best friend in the entire world. He loves David. I love David. David is not the player that he used to be two, three years ago. He, ever, you know, he's battled through injury. He's just... He's not available. And granted, this year, one of the biggest things that kept him out was appendicitis, which is such a freak thing. But the fact remains that he's not the same player and he's not reliable as far as an every snap basis. And so you're putting that line in flux. You're putting that line at risk uh, when you have a player that you can't rely on there. You want continuity as much as possible. So I think they need more pieces up there. I don't know. like, But I don't think Aaron wants, you know, they don't want a new left tackle. Uh, so it's a long-winded way of saying they need to get on the same page. If that can happen, all three of those guys, then I think that Aaron can feel more included. But at this point, I think he kind of thinks that the team is passing him by. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting situation because obviously, like, growing up um, a, a prim, well, a soccer fan, and ultimately it becomes the, the Premier League, but, like, in soccer for as, as long as, uh, you know, go back in the history of the game it has always been the manager that has to be and some of the greatest managers that, that have ever been Bill Shankly said it Alex Ferguson said it um, Pep Guardiola will tell you the, the same thing now the manager or in an NFL coach the, the um, NFL scenario the head coach has to be the most important guy in the building and if he's not that's when you tend to, to have issues but um Let's let's move on from from twelve to something else that you you kind of touched on, and it seems to be a division wide issue. Like the Packers underperformed defensively. I mean, I I had hope. I I thought Rashawn Gary could be the defensive player of, of the year. He was my pick uh, before the the season began. Um, yeah. And but you look at the Packers. Um, I, I mean, I I was talking to Aretha San earlier in the week about like Minnesota nice. Um, and min- there, there was no Minnesota night for Ed Donatelle. I mean, they, they just want to run him out of town, despite the fact that they won 13 games. We talked a little bit about Detroit and the, their issues. Now they did tighten up, but that's because they made changes. And the Bears, that pain will come to the, the Bears and that. But defensively, my goodness, the, the Bears were a train wreck. 
Well, they were atrocious. <laughs> how did the entirety of the division forget that, you know, there's another side of the football? I mean, yeah, that's well, that's the one thing with Minnesota is you went from a defensive head coach to an offensive head coach. So naturally, that's the child that gets the most attention is the offense. It, it goes the way of your head coach. Um, it was interesting. I mean, the Bears brought in a defensive coach again, and it was the, the Bears were, are just such a train wreck and they just don't have enough talent anywhere. And they are in a full rebuild. So, I mean, I I think that the concepts and the way Matt Eberflus runs his defense and and that are good going forward. But Matt Eberflus's defense hinge on a really good penetrating t- three-tech, really aggressive guy that can push the pocket, a weak side linebacker, and e- either like some sort of safety or nickel corner that can kind of play that back level. Those His defenses hinge on those players. The Bears do not have those players. The Bears traded Roquan Smith. They traded Robert Quinn, uh, who was not a three-tech, but he was an outside edge rusher. I mean, these guys had absolutely no pass rush to speak of, but it's because they were ushering in a new class of people. Now, they kept Eddie Jackson. I think I think they will keep Eddie Jackson. I hope they do. Um, they got Jaquan Brisker, and they got Kyler Gordon, who Kyler took his lumps early in the season, but he was learning two positions. He was brought in as an outside corner. They moved him immediately to nickel. Those are two vastly different positions that I don't think get people understand just how much is different between those two, even though you're still a cornerback either way. Um, and you're building around those kind of pieces. You get a, emer- a surprise emergence of Jack Sanborn. And we love a good story like that. He's a hometown kid. He was not un- undrafted. Um, but I think that you need to get those defensive cornerstone pieces and that's what this off season is going to be, but I'm not in so much surprised by that, by any stretch of the imagination. The Vikings are an interesting case study just because again, I mean, Ed Donatel is a very well-respected long tenured defensive coach in this league. But I think that again, you talk about a game passing you by, he was very, uh, slow to make adjustments and that's why I mean you look at the fourth quarter comebacks that this team has had um, it's been a very much bend don't break mentality in Minnesota for their defense and to their credit they've been able to come up with takeaways at very crucial moments that have allowed them to win the games but that's why they've been in 11-1 score games and it's I I wrote it I wrote this in one of my stories um, I think last week where I was like the Vikings are in so many one-score games because of the defense, and they win so many one-score games because of the defense. Like, it's it's, it's all because of the defense, <laughs> which is incredible to say. Um, and I I think the adjustments just need to come quicker for them, and and they do. They they took some they had some pretty hard injuries uh, on that side of the ball, uh, especially in the secondary. But you're all finally healthy now at the right time. So I would expect and I would hope that we see some more creativity out of those guys. And yeah, the Lions, the pass rush, that just, that's what came alive. And that's what really ended up, who knew that it was going to be the fifth round rookie out of Jackson State um, to save the day when it came to the pass rush, but it gave you a very, uh, a pass rusher on the other side, Aiden Hutchinson, that people really had to respect. And that, which in turn freed up Aiden Hutchinson, uh, got him off of some double teams and stuff like that. And those those guys just went to work, and that's it, it. All came together. I think they still have a lot of work to do in the secondary, but yeah, it's I for a for a division that was was known as the black and blue division. They certainly haven't been as physical as you uh, had historically seen them be. 
no, no, certainly not. And I suppose like that, that brings us to, you know, one of the questions that's obviously been massively debated ever since Sunday, and that's the Bears and the number one pick and, and Justin Fields and what are they going to, to do? And I suppose, do you, are, what, what's, what's your sense of, are they going to build around Fields? And, and if, they, if they are, does what has happened with Russell Wilson actually scare team so much that the Bears end up with an even bigger hole for the number one overall pick because teams want a QB on a rookie contract rather than trading for a vet and paying out big, big money. I'm, that's a, an entire hypothesis there as such, but I'm just wondering, like, like we know this is a league that it, people talk about it being a copycat league, but it's a league that reacts. When I I think team I think teams are gonna look at what happened with the Broncos and Russell Wilson and say, my goodness, I don't want to get myself into that situation. Whereas at least if I'm a rookie and it doesn't work out, like if the Jets choose to move on from Zach Wilson, and who knows, we don't know whether they will, but they're not in cap hell. There's no real consequences to them doing that. Whereas obviously we just talked about Aaron Rodgers, the Broncos, you if and I don't think they will given how it's done, but they couldn't move on. So. I just wonder, does it make the Bears' number one overall pick even more valuable? I think it does because um, I, I mean, there are also there's a there's a finite number of resources, right? Of these quarterbacks, you've got CJ Stroud, you got Bryce Young, and then you've got a gap, and then you've got like Will Levis on down. So you've got two guys that you think, and to be fair, I mean Bryce Young, he's a fantastic college quarterback. But he is undersized and you wonder like is he going to suffer from Kyler Murray syndrome or if you god forbid Baker Mayfield like these young these smaller quarterbacks that aren't as durable that can't see over their offensive linemen I mean people laugh but that's a thing and so it's one of those things where is he even a guarantee and I think I mean never underestimate though the fact that too but Ryan Poles has did not draft Justin Fields Ryan Poles Matty Berflus were not the people that brought Justin Fields in and Justin struggled in a very large part of the game of quarterback. Like he did not throw the ball well. Now he had a piecemeal offensive line. He had absolutely no one to throw to. I don't think it's a fair evaluation of him as a passer to expect him to have overcome those things, especially when you're talking about wanting to see more anticipatory throws out of him, which is true. You want him to throw to a spot more, but he can't trust his receivers to get to that spot. So you, it's a, kind of an incomplete grade on Justin Fields. And I think that you need to kind of stick it out because what he could be is exactly where this league is going in those dual threat quarterbacks. Um, but I don't think you tell people that. And I think the way that Ryan Poles handled his press conference um, on Tuesday was perfect in the sense that he said, well, listen, you know, we like where Justin's trending and we're going to evaluate the draft class as a whole. But I will say that a quarterback would have to blow me away in order for me to make a move like that. That's still leaving the door open. And that is also driving up the pick because if you legitimately think that the Bears could take a quarterback, you know the Texans are going to because they're sitting at number two. So now there's a possibility that two of the top tier quarterbacks are going to go one and two. And that's you like that should scare you as, as another team. And so not only now are you going to have to move up to that number one spot to jump Houston and have your first pick at these two quarterbacks, but now there's an element to having to convince the Bears not to take the, the, the a quarterback. 
And so maybe that does come with some extra picks. Maybe that comes, and then all it costs the Bears is a couple months of speculation on if Justin Fields is their guy. And who knows? Ryan Poles could be saying to Justin behind the scenes, like, to be fair, if this is their plan and they are doing this whole chess match, which a lot of these guys do, I think that the good GMs really do try to stay two, three steps ahead. I really hope that they have informed Justin Fields of that because it would suck for him to have to sit here and atone for all of this speculation if he doesn't know what the ultimate like point of it all is but like who knows maybe ryan poles did go to him and be like listen we're gonna try to drive the price up on this thing so i can get as much capital you know for this franchise i can put as many pieces as you need around you all it's gonna cost you is to turn your phone off go to a beach in cabo and not pay attention to it for a couple of months and if that's the case, I think that's 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 brilliant because you do. You want to get as much as you can. The Bears have so many holes to fill. I'm very much team trade down. Um, and I just don't think that Bryce Young or CJ Stroud has sold you enough to that you know that they would be a better alternative to continuing to build around Justin Fields. And um, I, I suppose, um, Cameron, kind of moving off the... NFC North, but you're, uh, you're the Buccaneers, uh, the team that you, you um, were previously with, obviously an, an interesting season, to put it mildly. Uh, another um, QB where there were uh, all sorts of um, off-season happenings. Um, a lot of speculation about um, where Tom might play next year. It would seem for, it seemed for a time this might be his last rodeo. Then all of a sudden, probably not his last rodeo. Do do you like have a like? Where do you think Tom Brady is? Does he does he want to go back to the Bay? Could that happen? I think the Raiders would welcome him with absolute open arms. We've heard rumors and speculation that he might go back to New England um, you know there's there's all sorts are, are we going to see Tom Brady in the league are we going to see Tom Brady win a new team next year yeah I mean it's hard to say because when he came to the box uh, there was a lot of due diligence done on his part of all right what is is this team how far away is this team because he was only going to go to a contender and you looked at the Bucks roster at that point, and they really were a quarterback away. They had a fantastic receiving core. They had a run game, to, you know, and they, they bolstered it as soon as he, they got there, too, by getting Leonard Fournette. And they had that defense that I talked about before. And that made it really attractive for him to come. Now, I don't know. Like, I, I that's not the Raiders. Like, the Raiders are not one quarterback away from being in contention. And the 49ers... That's the only thing that I think that would make more sense because they do. They have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. They've got weapons. And so it's kind of a ready-made team. But even so, it's a lot on someone to have to, again, start from square one and be taking notes in meetings. I mean, Rob Gronkowski actually just talked about this. Uh, I forgot on what outlet, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to whoever, you know, conducted this interview with him. But he was saying... Um, Tom used to run the meetings, the install meetings in New England. He would teach everybody the offense and what they were installing that week and installing the playbook. That's how well he knew it. And then he goes to Tampa and he's sitting in meeting rooms and he's taking notes. And at 45 years old, with what left to accomplish, 
why do you want to put in that much effort? <laughs> like, and again, I mean, I don't know if his his personal life situation has made it easier for him to kind of singularly focus on football again. And so maybe he is willing to put in that work. And I think that that's, but I think that if he does go somewhere else, it would have to be San Francisco just because A, it's, it's the Bay Area where he's from. And B, they are a ready-made team that will that is already in contention. I mean, these guys are in the playoffs and they're a force. Um, but I just I don't see him starting over with a franchise that's going to take one to two years. He doesn't have one to two years. He's forty-five years old. I, it's it's amazing that we're even talking about what other team would Tom Brady go to. Oh, it's it's completely crazy. But you can imagine, like I mean. Yeah, in terms of if he does go, right, there, yeah, it's Brady and Kyle Shanahan and, and what that could mean. Probably also then really does truly answer the question of uh, did did Kyle want Mac Jones or did Kyle, um, you know, uh, when they tra- when they traded up. So, there, look, a lot of intrigue there. Um, and then finally, maybe because um, uh, I, I appreciate you, you've already uh, given me uh, a lot of your time. But in terms of the... Um, Maybe it doesn't have to be Super Bowl, but maybe the the championship games. Who who do you see um, making it um, to the the NFC side and, and also the the AFC side? Yeah, I mean the AFC side. I'll start there just because I think we've all gotten Chiefs fatigue, but they're still amazing. They're still just a force, and like it's only going to get worse for other for opponents in the playoffs. Like. Patrick Mahomes is a wizard. Andy Reid is a wizard. Uh, He was able to account for the loss of Tyreek Hill nearly seamlessly. Their defense continues to get better. Um, And again, adjust and adapt to their personnel, which I think is key. And we're just so tired of talking about the Chiefs because it's like, oh God, okay, the Chiefs are good again. They are. They're they're as advertised every single year. And so I think that they are, I think it's going to come down to the Chiefs and the Bills. And I will say, um, Obviously, there's all this stuff that happened with DeMar Hamlin and this the Bills team is so they're so close because unfortunately, tragedy has brought them together, not only in the DeMar Hamlin situation, but earlier in the season, Dawson Knox lost his brother. They Buffalo as a city has gone through multiple deadly snowstorms, historic deadly snowstorms. This has not been I, I talked to my friends that cover the Bills um, on the beat. And they are exhausted beyond belief because it has not been, there has not been one week that has been normal for these guys. And it has gal, but what that does is it galvanizes a team and it teaches them to stick together. And that's what we've seen from these guys. So I'm hoping that those kind of intangibles end the season on a high note. Not that, I mean, obviously all of these tragic events are that happened in Buffalo and, and to the players and everything like that are bigger than football. Um, so I don't want to necessarily equate it and say, you know, winning a Super Bowl would be, you know, the ultimate what would make you feel better about those things because you're talking about death and you're talking about things that can't be rectified by a game. But I think it's about time something goes Buffalo's way. And I would love to see them make it to the Super Bowl. I think the fans deserve it. The team deserves it. Um, and I would love to see them ultimately win. On the NFC side, I just the Eagles kind of are you know behind the injury to Jalen Hurts and everything like that they're kind of limping into the playoffs but they get the first round by you have to think that Jalen Hurts will be ready to go after that and again they have the defense does not get enough credit in Philly they have the most sacks of any team 
Um, they are, they're an absolute force. And then you're getting on the offensive side, you're getting Lane Johnson back and he's like one of the toughest guys I know. Um, and that's so crucial to what they do up front with Jalen Hurts. They're just, they're such a complete team. They're lacking depth, but they're getting healthy for the playoffs. So I have to imagine it's going to end up being them, but then I could see it's a new season. Tom Brady pulls the Tom Brady things and the Bucks get in there and I, I still don't know what to do about the Vikings I don't know how much to trust them I think they've got some really really good pieces and they are certainly battle tested with how much they've had to come back and, and pull games out uh, really close games but they also have a negative point differential um, and they're the first team ever to get to 13 wins with a negative point differential because they got beat when they got beat they got beat real bad so I don't know what to make of them. I think in all honesty, it ends up being Bill's Eagles and maybe I like, I totally didn't even talk about the 49ers either. I just, I can't think that a rookie QB, if Jimmy G couldn't get them to the playoffs or get, get them to the Super Bowl, he did get some the Super Bowl, but he couldn't win them a Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know if Brock Purdy can. Yeah, no, I'm still going to stick with Bill's, Bill's Eagles, Bill's Eagles. And I'm, I just I want the Bills to win. I want all good things for the Bills at this point. Yeah, I I doubt actually that end that was my my um, I get many many things wrong, but that was my Super Bowl pick for even preseason. I I do think it, there's so many like I think Lane Johnson is so key um to the Eagles because he allows them to do everything, and they are so explosive and so varied because you don't yeah. know what they're going to do. Hurts like because Hurts can do it all. You've no idea what what they're going to run when Lane Johnson is in there. Lane Johnson isn't that changes yeah. things. All I, I will say also, Tom Tom Brady having to go into Philly. Oh my goodness, those fans would absolutely love that. It would right now. Yes, they they will be greasing the um the lab coast again. And on the AFC side, like to me, um, what I find interesting is. Andy Reid's consistent ability to adapt and I talked about this with somebody else recently about like Brendan Daly who obviously had massive success with the Patriots and the D-line goes to Kansas has more success and goes to Andy Reid this offseason and says Andy I, I you know I love it here but I need a new challenge and he ends up coaching the left Packers and as you said the defense has been only getting better so Andy Reid's ability to do that and I asked the Bills, I mean, yes, you talked about, obviously, the tragedy, but, like, Sean McDermott and and Brandon Bean and what they have done, like, they lost Brian Dable and Joe Shane, moved on. Two incredibly talented guys. We've seen what they've done with the Giants in one season after inheriting a mess. And the Bills don't miss a beat. The Bills have to leave their home. They have to get players on snowmobiles to, mm-hmm. to play in Detroit. And they just keep doing it. Like, Sean, I, I mean, I really don't think, um, you know, we give enough credit to Sean McDermott and, and um, to that organization for um, keeping those guys um, together. And I think about that, you know, in a different way, but like the, the heartbreak of the 13 seconds last year and he's managed to get them back. They overcome losing Von Miller. Yeah, I, I would be with you. I, I would love to see it go to a new winner, and I think the Bills are are as deserving as anybody. But my goodness, Joe Burrow and the Bengals have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and when Joe Burrow has a chip on his shoulder, <laughs> he makes magic happen too. I, I we didn't talk much about him, but I love Joe Burrow as as a quarterback, as a leader. 
Um, he has brought just this incredible swag to Cincinnati that has been missing from that organization for so long. And I, I want good things for him too. Um, and then, I mean, you even go all the way down to the chargers and I, they were actually my preseason pick. My preseason, preseason pick for the Super Bowl was chargers, uh, Vikings, mostly because I wanted to make people's face melt and faces melt. And I just wanted to say something kind of off the wall, but like that wasn't too far out of the realm of possibility. And both of those teams are in the playoffs, so I'm I'm chalking it up as a win. But I don't I don't know that they both get to the mountaintop this year. Uh, but it's been fun to see anyway. I love Justin Herbert. I, oh. the AFC AFC quarterbacks. I love all of the AFC, and not that I don't love the NFC quarterbacks, but the AFC quarterbacks are so much fun. It, it's it's ridiculous. Like look at Pat. Is is that right that I heard this earlier? I haven't verified it. Pat Mahomes. Is the the oldest starter in the because oh because in the playoffs Lamar, because Lamar isn't starting. I mean, with Lamar isn't starting. Uh huh. Uh I, that yeah. is that is yeah. that is crazy. I mean, yeah. that is that is quite quite something. And um, I I look. I, I think we're in for uh, a veritable feast of football over uh, the next month, and it will be fascinating to see who ends up. Um, in the the Super Bowl in Arizona, um, Carmen, you are always delighted to talk to, and I have no doubt that listeners to this podcast, if they're not familiar with you, um, and they should be, uh, and you're obviously a fantastic follow on Twitter, but where can people find more of your stuff? Yeah, I mean, you go to my Twitter or my Instagram, Carmi V, and then all of my articles appear on FoxSports.com. I also host a Bears podcast every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time uh, here in the U.S. with Adam Rank of NFL Network. So I'm I'm fully entrenched. I live back in Chicago now. That's uh, where I'm from, and I'm reconnecting with my Bears roots, although trying to be as professional and objective as possible. <laughs> Well, uh, Adam Bragg has been on with us a, a good a good few times as well. Great friend of the show. Um, big fan of uh, Harp Lager uh, is uh, is Adam. Um, but look, I want to thank you again for taking the the time to to join me. To wish you continued success uh, in 2023, and hopefully we can uh, welcome you back to the Irish NFL show in the not too distant future. I would love that. Thank you guys so much for having me.